Grace to you and peace from God the Creator and from Jesus Christ, our Teacher and Redeemer, and from the Holy Spirit, who binds us together in Christian worship. I want to welcome everyone to worship this morning, whether you are here in person or joining us via Zoom. We're so glad you've chosen to worship with us today. We began our worship by lighting the Christ candle. Oh, you're going to thank you. (laughs) Whenever we do this, we remember Jesus' promise in the Gospel of Matthew that whenever two or more gathered in my name, I am there among them. Now, as we prepare our hearts and minds for worship, I invite you to meditate on the image on the cover of the bulletin, as well as the accompanying statement by the artist, offering this time to God as a prayer to help guide you into time and space as we listen to the prelude.
Let us rise in body or remain upright in spirit as we join together in the call to worship. We come to this place, each of us on our own path. The path is winding, and the path is not always clear, and the path changes, but we are here. God is walking us home. What a gift it is to not walk alone. Let us worship holy God. Of light and love, shine upon our lives as we welcome the mystery of your love. Guide us toward your true gift, for our hearts long to encounter the holy. Quiet our expectations that we might be surprised by the unexpected. Open our eyes that we may find you in unanticipated places. Shine your light upon us that we may see clearly and recognize your face in all people. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. The call to confession. I imagine that for the Magi, walking to Bethlehem was not easy. I imagine that following a star for navigation was definitely not easy. However, I imagine that the hardest part might have been not knowing where the road would lead. Friends, we are not always the best versions of ourselves when we, face, we are faced with uncertainty and changing plans. Facing the unknown pulls on every ounce of our anxiety and fear. 
It rings our stress alarms and can erode our patience, our calm, our sense of perspective. Fortunately for us, we worship a God who is gracious beyond imagination and meets us on every twist and turn of the road home. So let us pray together now, knowing that even in our worst moments, we are held by God. Let us pray. God, change lands. The Magi heard in a dream that they were to take a new way home, a different path, and an untraveled road. And to our amazement, they did just that. The Magi packed their bags and went home by another way. We wish that change could be easy for us, but more often than not, when, when whispers of change come, we tend to clench our fists and hold on tighter. Forgive us for resisting change that might be holy. Forgive us for ignoring that there are more than one road home. Forgive us for failing to hear your invitation. Guide our steps to unfamiliar places. Gratefully, we pray. Amen. The words of assurance. No matter which roads we take in this one wild and precious life, God walks with us. God never leaves our side. When the road changes and we find ourselves on a new path home, God is always there. So hear and believe this good news. No matter where we go, no matter what we do, we are claimed, loved, and held by God. Thanks be to God for a love like that. Friends, rain falls upon the grass, showering and watering the earth. Simultaneously, righteousness and peace abound in our lives and in our world if we are attuned to sharing it. Let us now share this light and peace with one another. The light of Christ be with you. The peace of God be yours. Peace be with you. Good to see you all. And to all of you on Zoom, it is good to see you as well. At this time, as we are sharing the peace, I would invite any young people in our midst to come forward for a children's story. Just Megan? Anybody else? I don't bite. I took a shower this morning. <laughs> and we've got some on Zoom, so that's good too. Come on, this is a great story. All right. So this story is called Home by Another Way by Barbara Brown Taylor, and it is a Christmas story. Home by another way. From Matthew 2, 1 to 2. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. Once upon a time, there were three very wise men who were all sitting in their own countries, minding their own business, when a bright star lodged in the right eye of each one of them. The star was so bright that none of them could tell whether it was burning in the sky or in their own imaginations. But they were wise enough to know it did not matter all that much. The point was, something beyond them was calling them, and it was a tug they had been waiting for all their lives. Each in his own country had tried books, tried magic, tried astrology. One had lived on nothing but dried herbs boiled in water. 
Another, yeah, that doesn't sound too good. Another had spent his entire fortune learning how to read and write in an ancient language. The third had learned to walk on hot coals, though it did nothing for him beyond the great sense of relief he felt at the end. That's, uh, that would do it. <laughs> Despite their best efforts, all three of them still felt that something was missing. They were all glad for a reason to get out of town, which was clearly where the star was calling them. Out away from everything they knew how to manage and survive, out from under the reputations they had built for themselves, the high expectations, the disappointing returns. And so they set out one by one, each believing that he was the only one with a star in his eye, until they all ran into one another on the road to Jerusalem. From a distance, each thought the other to be a mirage at first, a twinkling reflection made of vapor and heat. But as they drew near to one another, they saw the star they had in common, like a tattoo or a secret handshake, something that made them brothers before they spoke. They all believed that the star was leading them to Jerusalem. This made perfect sense because they had every reason to believe they were on their way to meet a king. They had no trouble gaining entrance to the palace. They looked rich, and that was enough to get them a royal audience. But the king they met was something of a disappointment. He was lumpy and rumpled, and he had terrible breath. His skin looked a funny orange color and sickly, as if his bile had gotten the best of him. The guards on either side of him shook in fear of their king, so much that their spears rattled against their shields. Without even comparing notes, the wise men knew he was not the person they were looking for. Do you know of any other kings in the general area? They asked him. He had been picking at his fingernails until then, letting them know how bored he was, but their question got his attention. He looked right at them for the first time. That was when he saw the star in each of their eyes. His own eyes grew perfectly round like the eyes of a snake. The king asked the wise men if they would please excuse him for a moment. Then he stepped into his private chapel to confer with his clergy. They whipped out their old reference books which smelled of mold and told the king what he wanted to know. Yes, they said. There was something in the book of Micah about a new ruler for Israel, but nothing to get excited about. It was short. It had been there for a long time. It was unlikely that the men in the other room were fulfilling that prophecy. But sure, why not? Send the wise men to Bethlehem to check it out, to save the king a little money instead of doing his own research. So that was what the king did. He gargled, combed his hair, and went back to tell the wise men they should go to Bethlehem at once with his blessing on one condition, that they come back and tell him who his successor was so that he could um, send flowers to the new king. His breath smelled like pine saw when he said it, which made the wise men feel queasy. They knew something was not right. But once they were back out in the night air, they could see the star in the sky again, and it set their minds at rest. They followed it right to the doorway of a one-room house in Bethlehem. It was a perfectly nice place, modest but well-built, though not the kind of place where they had expected to find a king. A dog was sniffing the woodpile under the eaves in hopes of a mouse. Someone was practicing the lute next door, going over the same notes again and again. The smell of dinner was still in the air. Wheat cakes cooked on a griddle greased with sheep's fat, lentils with lots of garlic, and rice. It actually sounds like a pretty good dinner. The place looked so simple, they might never have chosen it themselves. But since the star had chosen it for them, they knocked. When the door opened, the couple standing behind it almost died of fright. Not that the wise men noticed, 
With their arms full of gifts, they crowded into the small space, bumping their turbans on the rafters and snagging their robes on the rough furniture. All they could see was the baby, who was not afraid, and whose right eye shone with the same star they had seen before they ever left home. It was him, then, whoever he was. They didn't have a clue, but they knew what to do. They got on their knees and bowed their heads. Then they gave him the things they had brought for him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, all the wrong things they could see now, things he had no use for. They should have brought him goat's milk, a warm blanket, something shiny to hang above his crib. But how could they have guessed? The child's parents were gracious, they thanked the strangers for their expensive gifts and held them up for the baby to see. Then, to the wise men's complete surprise, the child's mother picked him up and handed him around so that each of them held that damp, soft, living weight in his arms. When they were finished admiring him, she took her baby back, nursed him, and put him to bed. Then, before the light coming through the window of the house had entirely gone out, the three wise men fell asleep right where they sat. In the morning when they woke, the wise men could not find their stars anywhere. They searched each other's eyes, but the star had gone. Frantically, they looked in all the corners and under the chairs. The baby's mother even shook out his blankets, but still, no stars. Soon the wise men calmed down and said, Never mind, we need not... We do not need them anymore. They had found what they were looking for, something they could not lose. As much as they hated to, they added, they had better be on their way. They would not be going back through Jerusalem, they said. All three of them had woken from the same identical dream, warning them to steer clear of the city. If anyone in Jerusalem knew anything at all, they would be here instead of there. Besides, none of the wise men's old maps worked anymore. They would have to find a new way home. So the wise men picked up their packs, which were lighter than before. Then they lined up in front of the baby to thank him for the gifts he had given them. What in the world are you talking about? The baby's mother said, laughing. For the scent and weight and skin of a baby, said the first wise man, who had no interest in living on herbs anymore. For this home and the love here, said the second wise man, who could not remember how to say it in the ancient language. For a really great story, said the third wise man, who thought that telling it might do a lot more for him than walking on hot coals. I should say so. Then the wise men walked outside, stretched, kissed the baby goodbye, and went home by another way. The end. I like that story a lot. So, oh, hold on. I got, I got a couple of questions for you before you go. <laughs> so, I wonder, how do you think the wise men felt after the dream that when the angel warned them not to go back? To Jerusalem. That seems like a smart idea. <laughs> seems like a smart idea. We don't want to see that king again. <laughs> I wonder if they were a little afraid, knowing that there was danger over there. I wonder how far out of their way they had to go to avoid King Herod, if they had to take a really long way around, or if they knew a shortcut. Have you ever had to change plans like the wise men had to change their plans? How were you feeling when it happened? Um, I'm nervous. Nervous, yeah. Yeah. Angry. Angry, sure. Yeah. Sometimes when we have to change our plans, it is not fun at all. Well, the good news is this. When plans change... We can be brave and we can follow God like the wise men because even when we feel like we're lost and God knows I have felt lost at some times, God knows the way home. Can you pray with me? Dear God, change is hard. 
Thank you for being with us even when things don't turn out the way we expect. Help us to be brave when we aren't sure what the future holds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for coming up. Friends, will you pray with me? Holy God, you speak to us in scripture and in prayers, in sunrises and sunsets, in friends and in strangers, in dreams and in songs. You are speaking all the time, and how often do we miss it? Still our minds so that we can listen with a depth that we have not heard before. Still our hearts so that we can receive with open arms what it is you are offering us today. We know you are speaking, so we are listening. Gratefully, we pray. Amen. And even though we've just heard that story, let's hear it one more time from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. A word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Friends, let us rise in body or remain upright in spirit to join our voices in singing hymn number 50.
Please be seated. By this point in our pastor-congregation relationship, you know that one of my favorite places in the world is the Adirondacks. And specifically, my parents' cabin up near Potsdam. You know by now that I love the mountains and the lakes and the streams of the North Country. Now their cabin, which is in the town of Parrishville, sits right on the edge of Joe Indian Pond, and there's a wide expanse of sky that opens up just past the tree line. At any time of year, but particularly in the winter, when the sky is clear, there is so little light pollution that you see a blanket of stars, crystals dancing and burning in a sea of black. The lake, which is technically too shallow to really be considered a lake, which is why it's called a pond, <laughs> is completely frozen over, and it dully reflects the hushed blues and purples of the night. A few years ago, Elena and I spent a belated honeymoon there the week following Christmas. One night, around 9 o'clock, Venus appeared, a bright star on the horizon. And because of the time of year, our text from Matthew began to dance around in my head. I thought of those wise travelers from the east, magi bringing their gifts to pay homage to a newborn baby in Bethlehem. Now, I confess I am no expert navigator. My sense of direction, which used to be really strong, has been dulled by years of reliance on a GPS to get me from points A to B. But as I looked at that bright spark hovering just above the horizon, I thought about how many years of study these men had committed themselves to and how excited they must have been at the arrival of this star which would lead them to Jesus. Now there are many things in the story, and in particular about these magi, that open up much about our understanding of Jesus, and how so much of his life was laid out from the beginning. And I have to tell you that the former English teacher in me looks at a text like this and gets really excited, because there are so many devices and techniques that the gospel writer employs that deepen the meaning we find in this story. I don't want you to feel like you're in English class, but I beg your pardon. <laughs> First of all, Matthew never specifies how many magi there are. We always say that there were three, but if we look closely, Matthew only says there were wise men from the east. Where did we come up with this number? Three. Well, most confidently, we point to the number of gifts that are presented to Jesus. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Three gifts. So there must have been three guys, at least. Now, in any literary work, when we come across the number three, we can almost always, with complete certainty, know that it is significant. It's a recurring theme throughout all historical literary traditions. Three is important. And when Matthew uses this number, he's beginning to lay the foundation and framework for a Trinitarian understanding of God's work through Christ and the Holy Spirit. Second, Matthew is pretty vague about where these guys are coming from. He simply says that they came from the east. East of Bethlehem, if you look at a map, is pretty expansive. <laughs> now we can reasonably assume that they were likely from Persia, 
as the Magi were members of a priestly caste widely known as astronomers, and who else but astronomers would be following a bright star? And yet, as interesting as it is to think about where these guys came from, and this point becomes secondary. It's a fleeting concern because what Matthew has arranged for us with daring subtlety is the fact that these visitors, the first visitors to the baby in his gospel, the shepherds visit in Luke, they're strangers. They're foreigners. One commentator notes that the gospel of Matthew begins and ends the text with strangers. That is, with Gentiles. This fact provides the widest expression and basis of the theology of this passage. It means that Matthew is affirming the fact that the Messiah's coming is an arrival that has meaning for all people. The entry of the wise men into the sacred texts, places, and actions of the Jewish faith are for Matthew the sign that the Messiah has indeed arrived in the person of this child. God, in this child, has breached the boundaries of traditional faith. And the nations are now entering to witness this Messiah and doing so with joy. In Christ, God has broken into the world, not violently or dramatically, but quietly and humbly in the birth of this baby. A third and final piece of interest relates to the Magi's purpose in their visit. They have not followed this star to its point of rest over Bethlehem simply to give gifts, though that's part of their purpose. And nor is it out of blind curiosity. Their reason for traveling this great distance is to pay him homage. Three times, in verses 2, 8, and 11, the Greek word proskineo is repeated, and this word is translated as pay him homage. Now, when I was teaching 10th and 12th graders, students would often ask this one question, particularly when we were studying poetry. Well, how do you know that's what the writer meant? they didn't mean anything by it? My answer is always twofold. First, there is no absolute, perfect, certain way to know, unless you can talk to the writer in person, and I think that Matthew has been gone for a while. <laughs> However, my second point was always that whenever we have really good literature, the writer chooses every single word for a reason. Every single word is carefully picked for its unique meaning and implications. And this is true for war and peace, for things fall apart, and for the Gospel of Matthew. Because Matthew is good literature. He chooses the word proskineo intentionally. And the repetition of this word three times is far more important than whether there were one, two, three, or five hundred wise men bearing gifts. It is the motif of the story that gives it its purpose, its direction, and its culmination. They seek, they find, and they worship. I heard a preacher say once, when we follow the star to the Christ child and behold the Messiah, and after we have been overjoyed, have bowed down, have humbled our hearts and worship, and have given gifts to the child, we leave the season with an enslaved heart and an illumined memory. 
Our hearts are enslaved because of the divine revelations. We have been visited by the Messiah and our memories are illumined because we cannot forget what we have seen. This season, we have visited and have been visited by the Messiah. And our lives have been radically changed as consequence. And so three questions arise for us this morning. Would you expect any other number? (laughs) First, what gifts can we bring to pay him homage? What is it that we can offer Christ when we kneel down with humbled hearts before his manger? What do we commit to him when we gather here and gather here? around this table. He demands and expects nothing less than the commitment of our lives to his love and his justice. We offer our hearts surrendered in full obedience to living lives worthy of the calling we have received. And we do so joyfully because of the gift we received from God in him. Second, where has following the star led you? While we are not likely to end up at the foot of a manger in Bethlehem, the star still shines for those of us wandering, seeking, expecting the Christ child. The path may be difficult and rocky with unseen obstacles, Personally, I can attest to the winding nature of the journey of faith. It has led me to places and to people I never expected to find or meet. What unexpected places has the star led you? What unexpected people have shined in your life? Finally, the the question that lingers long, long after the star's setting is this. How has your life's path changed because you are a follower of Jesus? You came to the manger like the Magi from one direction, but God has called you to return by another way. Perhaps to a home that does not look the same through your changed eyes. Perhaps your life is now easier because the load has been offset by Christ. Perhaps... It is more difficult because of the weighty demands of the life of a disciple. Maybe it's both. Either way, we have been radically changed and we cannot return to who we once were. We cannot return home by the same way. Maybe we find instead that we live within the tension of those two We are joyfully freed in our knowledge of the saving grace Christ provides, yet incredibly burdened with the responsibility of loving and caring for God's creation and all of God's people. Two things can be true at the same time. Friends, we have been visited. We have visited. And our lives have been forever changed. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us rise in body or remain upright in spirit as we affirm our faith using the words printed in the bulletin. Join me. Jesus is our Savior. He gave his life to rescue us. Jesus is our shepherd. He leads our lives and keeps us safe. Jesus is our friend. He listens to us. He shares our joys and our sadness. Jesus is our prophet. He speaks God's promise to us. He declares God's commands. Jesus is our priest. He pleads our cause daily. Jesus is our king. He guards and keeps us in the freedom he won for us. Jesus is our Lord. He protects us in life and in death. We belong to him. Jesus is our life. 
He conquered death for us. Risen with him, we enjoy new life. Jesus is our way. He guides us to his kingdom. Jesus is our end. Soon we will be with him. And we will worship him forever and ever. As we celebrate Christmas, we rejoice that Jesus came to save us. And we look forward to the day when we will join all who love him and crown him Lord of all. Amen. Please be seated. I just have one thing to lift up this morning. Uh, please note that offering envelopes are now available for year 2022. Hard to believe we're here. Uh, but they're in the back. If you uh, would please pick them up uh, after worship, that would be wonderful. And uh, sorry, one other thing. For those of you who are joining us on Zoom, we will be in just a couple of moments celebrating communion. So take this opportunity to get some bread, some juice, some crackers, some wine, some water, whatever you have. Uh, get that together so that we can celebrate together. The Magi came bearing gifts. That is what we do when we love someone. We prepare. We celebrate. We drop off casseroles and flowers. We bring gifts. It has always been that way. So today, we are invited to do the same for God. We are invited to bring our gifts as a sign of our love. And instead of gold, we give our tithes and offerings. Instead of frankincense, we give our talents and energy. Instead of myrrh, we'll give our time. We give because we love. It has always been that way. Let us give our tithes and our offerings now. Let us pray. God of new beginnings, we offer these gifts to you today because we love you. The world will tell us to keep our money to ourselves, to hold it tight, to tuck it away. But just as the Magi have made a different choice, we make a different choice. Instead, we give what we have trusting that when we live like we belong to one another, we will see a better world. So take these gifts and use them for good. With hope we pray. Amen. Jesus once wrote, think what kind of people you are whom God has called. Not many wise by human standards, not many powerful or of noble birth, 
Yet to shame the wise, God has chosen what the world counts foolish. And to shame the strong, God has chosen what the world counts weak. It is not for our virtue that we are here. It is not for who we are that we are called to this table. It is only for one reason. God wants us. So come, leaving behind the baggage of your self-importance or the burden of your self-loathing, how you feel, who you are, what you have done, at this moment does not matter. There is a greater cause. There is a stronger voice. It belongs to Jesus who in bread and in cup says, I am here for you. Let us pray. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to our God. God who called forth creation with a word, let there be light. You see the good in all. Having divided shadow from light, having created sun, moon, and stars to light the sky, you created everything good. You who lit the way to freedom with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. You who gave us commandments to light our way. You who loved us even when we turned from your light. You sent your prophets to remind us of your light. And then when we should have been lost to shadow, you sent us Jesus light of the world. He promised that when we follow him, we never walk in shadow. The light of his life shines on all people, revealing the truth of your love. We remember the truth of his light when we gather at this table. A reminder of the table he gathered at with his friends the night before he was betrayed and handed over to be executed. At that meal, he took the bread. He gave thanks for it and he broke it. And he gave it to his friends saying, take this and eat it. I am with you now and forever. Let this meal feed you. And remember me as you eat. Then he took the cup. And he poured it out. And he blessed it. And he shared it with his followers saying, This is the cup of the new covenant. Given for the forgiveness of sins. It is a gift for you and for all people. It is my love offered for you. Drink of this and remember me. And so we remember Jesus, the light of the world, teacher, healer, guide, and friend. And in this foretaste of the heavenly feast, we offer ourselves into Christ's service that we too might radiate your light. Pour out the light of your spirit on these ordinary gifts that are made holy and special in your presence. That we might become your body, your spirit, your light. Through Jesus Christ, light of the world, and through the Holy Spirit, radiance divine, all praise is yours, eternal God, now and forever, world without end. And hear us as we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. He who was first held by Mary is held for us in this bread. body was laid in a manger is cradled in this cup. let us turn our hearts and minds toward God in prayer. God of the way, we all have roads we travel. We travel emotional roads, the narratives we tell ourselves, the mental places we revisit again and again the assumptions and the fears we know by heart. Then there are physical roads, the places in our lives that we walk every day, grocery stores and coffee stands, subways and carpool lines. And then there are the roads of our society, the paths carved out that we are expected to follow. Dress and etiquette, education and rules, so many things unspoken, but built in stone all the same. So today, we remember the Magi, who traveled who knows how long down a dusty road to get to you. Holy God, we too want to be people that travel mental, physical, and cultural roads to get to you. We want to gather in your sanctuary. We want to remember you in our prayers. We want our hearts to know the way home, the way back to you by perfect memory. Help us get to that place, for we long to be journeying toward you. In addition to the road the Magi traveled to you, we also remember the road they took home, a road home by another way. So God, when the world cries out for violence and vengeance, show us that road. Show us home by another way. And when the world cries out in scarcity and fear, show us that road. Show us home by another way. And when we find ourselves on a path that could hurt us, show us that road. Show us home by another way. God, we are walking. This life is a journey. Be in our steps that we might be led to you. Be in our eyes that we might see you. Be in our hearts that we might be brave enough to go home by another way. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, your Son. Amen. 
Friends, let us rise in body or remain upright in spirit as we sing our final hymn, Home by Another Way, which is an insert in your bulletin. And the tune should be familiar. begins. Comfort the homesick, open your doors to others, seek sanctuary, be brave enough to go home by another way. And remember that here in God's house all are welcomed, so come back soon. In the name of our foundation, God, Spirit, and Son, go in peace, remembering who you are and whose you are. Amen.